This is Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode 48 with guest Katya Yakovleva. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to the show. From a no-name startup to a post-IPO industry giant, Katya Yakovleva joined Spotify back in 2009 and was one of the first sales executives. She built out advertising sales both in Spain and Germany and was leading strategic accounts generating millions of revenue for the company over the years. Today, she's wearing many hats. She is the co-founder and chief commercial officer at Beyond, angel investor and a podcast host. In this episode, we speak about her wild ride at Spotify, her mission to share her experience and industry network with founders, and how Web3 opens up a whole new world of possibilities to create, grow, and reward communities. Join me for today's conversation, and don't forget to subscribe to the show on waa.berlin. Hi, Katya. Welcome to the studio. So I've been bumping into you lately everywhere, but somehow to me, you're still a mystery. And today I really want to get to know you and your path to becoming an angel investor and founding your own startup in the Web3 space. So let's see how far we get today. Welcome. Great seeing you today. Hi, Dasha. Thanks for inviting me. It's the first time I'm sitting on the other side of the table. Ooh. I must confess. So normally I'm the one interviewing people for my Female Business Angels podcast. So it's, um, I'm a bit nervous. Let's see how it goes. Good, yeah. you can relax. I've been never interviewed, I think, myself. So this is the premiere. And oh, uh, great, wow. great to share this moment it, Well, you. it's an honor. I am the first one to do the interview, you know, ask you questions. I love asking questions. So I'm very happy to be in this role as a host. So I know. So it's <laughs> I'm like, a bit nervous. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be a great ride. So to me, you're a very proactive woman, someone with lots of energy, eagerness to connect with people. You run many projects. That's the impression I made of you. And I was also reading that you also speak five languages. I mean, that explains, I think, your personality, which is very extroverted, connecting with two people. But can you tell me more about your upbringing and what also brought you to Spain back in the days? So I was born in 1985, in the year of Glasnost and Perestroika. Six years later, it was Ukraine. And I'm originally from Kiev, so my family is half Russian, half Ukrainian. They are all engineers and uh, one grandma was a doctor. So that's, that's how I grew up. I went to school in Kiev. I spent, I was, yeah, I was, I guess I was uh, lucky to spend time with my four grandparents who were really amazing grandparents. They were, nice. uh, yeah, they were teaching us lots of things and talking to us, like telling us about yeah, like our family and our ancestors and family story. And also they were really passionate about their jobs or their hobbies. So they managed to transmit that to me and my sister and my little cousin I, I grew up with. And uh, in the age of 15, so 2001, 2000, 2001, more or less, so yeah, in, in the new century, we moved to Berlin because in the of new my century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 21st century started. <laughs> And we moved to Berlin because of my dad's job. Okay. So wow. my dad, my parents are acoustic engineers, but oh. yeah, we're sitting here in the podcast studio, but they are more focused on underwater acoustics. What's that? Oh yeah. So it's uh, like transmitting data under the water, wow. transmitting signals without cables. So it could be like, do you know sonar? Yeah. Well, the music festival in Barcelona, but then there is also sonar, the device to transmit data and communicate under the water. 
Or uh, so my dad, uh, he received a job offer here in Berlin. The company is called Evologix. He's still working there. And uh, we moved. So they are doing bionic. They study biology. So, for example, how dolphins communicate. And inspired wow. by that, they create technology which helps, for example, to predict a tsunami in Indonesia. So that was one of the projects they run. Or they study, they collect data under the ocean. Yeah. I can um, imagine your uh, dinner table conversations must be very interesting. So like, <laughs> I, I must admit, I was never into physics. I was never into physics that much. But yeah, they are. So my we always had computers at home. My dad has uh, had this like echolots or like, these devices with, you know, the frequency waves. Like when you cut the pot, when you edit the podcast, you I guess like now you're recording. Yeah. So you see the same. And uh, yeah, we had science fiction books. I also remember in the 90s, my dad took me to computer exposition in Kiev and Windows has been launched, like the Windows. And he was explaining to me what the difference was to DOS because we would, we had DOS at home. So I I remember how hard it was for me to grasp the concept of like a little Windows opening up. And then, well, we had it at home at some point. Oh, wow. And also trying on the virtual reality headset, like probably one of the first ones. They did not evolve that much, I must admit. Really? When, which year was that? So I, I, I don't know, uh, end of the 90s, probably. Yeah. You tried on the virtual set end of yeah. the 90s. Yeah, so That's in cool. Kiev, there was a computer exposition. So, and yeah, we grew up, so we had no cousins or brothers. We were just girls. And my dad was really like, nerding around into computer games. So when we would ask like, daddy, daddy, I want like a new Barbie or like new inline skate. Sometimes you would poke us and tell us, okay, you have to win in this like Age of Empires. Let's play. You have to win against me. And then you, you, I will buy you a Barbie. <laughs> so, Such a fun dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were really like into gaming. And when I uh, grew up a bit, when we were teenagers, you know, the winters are really long there. So we would spend days in chat rooms which is uh, really fun because now the Web3 world, it reminds me a bit of that like 90s ICQ. ICQ, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the yeah, sound, yeah. yeah. At some point, so my dad said, okay, I have this job offer. Are you coming with us? So you're almost 16 or would you like to finish school and move to Berlin later? They said, okay, if it's Berlin, of course I'm coming. <laughs> oh, you knew already about have, Berlin and you wished to go there? Yeah, yeah, because I no, so I knew he, the job was in Germany. And okay. I said, okay, I have this job offer in Germany. Uh, and I knew people were started to immigrate and mostly they would go to some like smaller town, or, you know, somewhere mm -hmm. like in North Rhine-Westfalen or I don't know. I was like, okay, where is it? It's like, because I, I am like a capital girl. Kiev is like three to four million like, exactly. city used yeah. to be. Yeah. I mean, now it's difficult. And um, I said, I'm, I'm going to the capital. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's Berlin. Like, yeah, of course I'm coming. I always wanted to live <laughs> in Western Europe. So <laughs> sign me awesome. up. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So then you are in Berlin growing up in your teenage uh, years. And what brought you to Spain? I mean, Spain, Germany, that's a little bit... Yeah. Far off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I came here. I spoke English, but I had to start learning German from scratch. It took me one and a half years. Um, yeah, it was a bit hard, hard language. Uh, so I was finishing school, like doing the abitur and uh, inspired by this well, relatively quick progress in one and a half years for such a difficult language. I decided to learn French actually <laughs> in the beginning. 
So my grandmother had a French surname because my grand-grandfather was from France. So he okay. came back in the days to teach French, uh, like in, you know, and back in there, like when Russian Empire existed. So I, I was always fascinated by, by this, like by the stories. I was like, okay. And when I went to Paris and it was amazing. So I decided I would learn French. So I was learning. I went to classes. And then I met this very fun Spanish people. And I had a Spanish boyfriend back in the days. So... I went to visit uh, him and uh, over a week, like my French was like overscribed by Spanish, basically. <laughs> and the structure of the language is right. pretty similar. And also the pronunciation for me was uh, much easier. So I learned Spanish basically with by hanging out with people here in Berlin and uh, yeah, being awesome. with this guy for a year or so. And uh, at some point I had to attend a Spanish class. And then when I was done with Abitur, I decided that I wanted to go and study abroad. I, I like Berlin, but after five years, also back in the days, it was not the city with the job opportunities and startups. It was clear that you had to go somewhere else to study and to, to find Interesting. So it was job. a bit different from now. It was very different. So you knew if, if you wanted to have like a very cool international career, it was probably London, Munich. Singapore, Frankfurt, uh, US, but definitely not Berlin. So it was not on the startup map. It so sad. Rock. Yeah, I know. It's hard to imagine. Now it's like the place to be, which is really cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love to witness this change. Yeah, so I, I was picking up, I, I was I was looking at different universities and I really wanted to go abroad for longer than just Erasmus mm -hmm. semester or two. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was this uh, this like career where you would study half of your term in Spain. So it was the Spanish-German double degree in uh, ESB in Reutlingen. It's the International European School of Business in Reutlingen close to Stuttgart. And then you would do another half like in Madrid, uh, ICADE. And I went there and the, thank God the exam was just an oral exam because I really, the only thing I could write was an SMS, like who is bringing the beer to the party, <laughs> like cerveza para la fiesta. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I cannot properly write. It's not old. But that was just a conversation. And I nailed it because I would, you know, hang out with the Spanish <laughs> crowd for like, two years, maybe in Berlin and go party with them. So I said, your Spanish is amazing. I was like, yeah, you don't know how it is in the written form. Would you like to start in Madrid to do the first half in Madrid of your studies? I said, oh, okay, yes, sure. <laughs> so that's how it happened. I was also going to, I was accepted also to something similar with Oxford. Yeah. But since I had a Ukrainian passport back in the days, it was really expensive. And Madrid was like public school for German yeah. students. So yeah, so it, it was Madrid and I never regretted it. It was, it was the fun. place to be. And yeah. Madrid is a beautiful city. So yeah. it was fun as well. I had to learn how to write. <laughs> Eventually, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you worked in a couple of places and mm -hmm. actually you stayed in Spain for some time, right? Tell me about Spotify because it's such a big chunk of your life. And I wanted to know Spotify in the early days, how was it like working for the company when I guess you joined in 2009 and the company was just only three years? Tell me about that. Yeah, so joined Spotify actually in Madrid. So after finishing my studies in the south of Germany, I moved back to move in with my now husband. So it's better for like follow your heart story <laughs> or emotions or just have fun along the way, not only career. And uh, yeah, I ended up working for Spotify. We were 150 employees. It was straight after Series B. So looking back, it was very early, very risky. 
Uh, well, my parents were shocked, of course, oh, wow. because my career choice was a no-name Swedish startup. Uh, it was just a desktop app. Yeah, but um, why why did you go for it? So previous during my studies, I've done two internships, always in creative industries related to marketing and content. So I worked at EMI Music Publishing in Madrid and then at Coca-Cola here in Berlin in the creative excellence department. So creating mm-hmm. creating advertising campaigns. Uh, while everyone else would go to consulting or investment banking. And yeah, I was the weird one, but again, it felt right <laughs> um, somehow. And then Spotify seemed like a logical continuation of what I've done so far. And yeah, they uh, I have just proactively applied as a junior manager for everything. And they needed <laughs> one in Madrid as it was a small team of five people and I was hired. Uh, I had another job offer, which was better salary and more exciting. It was like a, launching an international department for a marketing affiliation company back in the days. But I decided uh, I was thinking for the whole weekend kind of carrying these two options with me around, thinking over, talking to friends. And uh, I've, yeah, I listened to my Yeah, my gut feeling told me, yeah. go for the streaming app. <laughs> and I, I bet you made the right decision. Yeah, now, yeah. And, and then also I remember all my friends working at these amazing companies well-known at Google. And uh, I, I had, I was starting Spotify. Also, I started a couple of months later to, to work because I was traveling. And I remember like, okay, I don't know if that was the right decision. And 10 years later, it turned out I I, I got lucky or I could see the future or maybe both. Amazing. So how was it like to be a salesperson? Maybe you can tell about how you started there, but you were doing a lot of sales and basically pitching for advertising to the big brand names. How is it like to do that for such an early no-name company? I never wanted to end up in sales. We had sales courses in, in, during my business studies, obviously, but I would always go for in business plan, creation, international relations or marketing. I don't know, I never seen myself as a salesperson. And when I started, I was doing a bit of everything, translations, answering leads, or creating presentations, or running some data analysis. But then it was a local office, so, so we had to earn money and pitch Spotify free to agencies, media agencies, creative mm. agencies and brands. And I started to do so like on a smaller scale, answering leads, uh, being in charge of small agencies. And at some point I was in charge of big international accounts as Ikea or Vodafone or like big, uh, yeah, big, big Spanish brands, mm-hmm. like beer brands. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember we were just doing lots of cold calling as well. So people would say, what is it? And just hang hang up on you. <laughs> or, and uh, other, my colleagues, they already had experience. So they came with existing network. I had to build my own or like, you know, collaborate with them to kind of, you have to start somewhere. And um, I realized that sales was uh, very different from what I thought it was. It was very much about relationship building, listening to other people, And uh, less about, you know, doing some aggressive pitch all the time. And also being creative and advertising sales, working with brands, uh, being a content platform. Mm-hmm. We were playing a creative agency for them. So we, we were like, consulting them on, on their creative mm-hmm. strategy. And I love that part. 
It's interesting when you share about that journey because many people prefer working in companies of a certain stage or size. So some go for Series A where they can be really generalist. They get to wear many hats. They get to try to do different things. And then they leave when the company enters a new stage. And there are some people who prefer Series C, for instance, where they can really offer their like specialized domain knowledge. You seem to be an exception because you've been at Spotify for 12 years. So you've seen that in in, almost 11, almost 11 years. So incremental growth where the company expanded from five countries to 170 countries and grew from 150 employees to over 7000 employees. So what kept you there all these years and why didn't you felt like I need a new adventure and you stay there for literally a decade? Yeah. So first of all, after it felt like I had five different jobs and that I worked like maybe at five different companies a bit, but with the same great culture, mm-hmm. which uh, is driven by Daniel Ek and the management team. So it's uh, also influenced by Swedish business culture in general. After one and a half years, I started to search for another job because you need to grow. And uh, there were jobs at Google, of course, in Madrid, and there were some other options. And I don't know, it didn't feel right. And then, so at some point, a chief revenue officer came from New York and we were having a dinner, a small team, and she said, okay, you are not Spanish, you don't look Spanish to me. Like, well, what are you? What do you speak? And I told him, okay, I speak Russian and German as well. And English, obviously, is that perfect. We are finally launching Germany. We <laughs> reached an agreement with the um, German Collecting Society. We have the first uh, team members on the ground. We need someone to run ad sales and brand partnerships. Can you, would you be interested? I said, yes, yes, I'm actually searching for the new challenge and I would love to move back to Berlin. This is like my home as well. Mm-hmm. So is Kiev in Madrid. And um, said, okay, can you be there next week? <laughs> okay, next week I'm in New York for holidays, but I can be there in two weeks. I have a couch where I could crash on. <laughs> and uh, that's how it happened. And we started from scratch. So we were five people. So you were basically building Spotify Germany or DAF from, from scratch? From Yeah, so it was like, so in Spain, it was well-known streaming service already. You could even mm. get into concerts and like, parties by telling people at the door, like, I work for Spotify. Oh, so, wow. yeah, that was in just two and, two and a half years, like from cold calling, pitching to like, please, like I need an appointment. With, you did you know, your CMO. job and your team did a good job, I guess. Yeah, and I think it was like riding the unicorn as well. So, of course, it's um, it was a great brand. And I think people in, in the headquarters in Stockholm and back in the days, we didn't have New York, but in London, like everybody was doing a great job and it was just great product and timing. And then here... <laughs> it was like starting from scratch again. So it was an unknown company. Everyone would tell us, oh, you have no chance against Simfy, which was a streaming player from Cologne. Yeah, everyone would use iTunes or CDs. And it was pretty exciting. I remember I was in the EasyJet flight translating the Spanish presentation into German. And the next day I was at Schultz and Friends at the agency here in, in at the creative agency here in Berlin, pitching in German in front of like 30 people, telling them what streaming is and Spotify and uh, yeah. And it worked. It, well, yeah, somehow, so step <laughs> by step. So yeah, the first four years in uh, in the dark market, they passed by like this. So it was really a, a crazy ride, but a, a very, very exciting one, very rewarding. So we were growing the team, growing the customer base, 
explaining, mm -hmm. evangelizing for music streaming and for... Yeah, you know, I, and I was just surprised that um, Spotify being a Swedish um, company first expanded to Spain and not to the Dach region. Yeah, it was uh, because of the deals with the collecting societies mm. and uh, because of the piracy situation also in every single market. So Germany, as you know, has um, piracy is not a big issue. So people do pay for content. And the buy CDs, it's uh, not the demographics. Uh, mm -hmm. So it took a while to have a deal in place. I see. And, and, then, to launch. and yeah. then eventually... Germany, I would imagine, and Dach region is one of the top successful regions for Spotify. It is, yeah. One of the leading ones. Yeah. So with all the success and growth and the company growing, you are growing within the company. How come you decided to leave? Yeah, well, I mean, so the first four years were great. And when I was promoted to mom, so I had a daughter. Promoted to mom. <laughs> yeah, promoted myself. So I had a daughter. I, uh, I was on maternity leave for two months came back because my boss left. So I was covering for him as an interim sales director with a newborn baby for like six, seven months. That sounds like a wild ride. Yeah, that, but I never wanted to, you know, just hang out on the playground or be, be a full-time mom. I don't know, didn't sound like it was like my thing. But then, yeah, after, after this interim sales director gig, interim, I've decided it was time to take like another half a year off, maybe enjoy the time with the baby. Also, yeah, we were moving apartments. So I had like some private startups going on, private projects. And in that time, um, I think the IPO happened. And when I came back, it was a very different company. So it oh. was also very different for me with the sleepless nights situation. So which knocked me out of my rails completely for several years. I, I really need my eight hours of sleep. Yeah, so it was a different setup. And uh, I had my own startup at home with uh, little Nina. Yeah, so I decided I would stay. Mm -hmm. I, I love my job. I love the culture, love my colleagues. I know how to do it. I can do it in sleep, even if I don't get much. <laughs> I have um, I have Nina. And uh, I started to, to do angel investing because I really missed early startup days. So cool. I'm more of an early, early stage person than a post IPO one. And I, I decided that was so I was not ready to go and join a startup as a, you know, as a manager and work 80 hours a week, be on the plane. I just couldn't being a mom of a young child. And I thought, okay, so I'll stay at Spotify. It's, it's cool. And on, on this, on my, like, in my free time, I would support founders. Like founders, um, I like and um, yeah. and then it brought you to uh, Spotty Angels actually, right? Because to, together with your former colleagues, you founded Spotty Angels in September 2021, which is an angel collective where you invest in European startups with a focus on consumer tech, creators, and future of work. So, why did you think it was the right timing to gather the forces and join together with two others? and start Sporty Angels. Yeah, so we've been investing alone for quite a while, so John, Axel, and myself. And then we would uh, exchange and due diligence some deals together or just text all the time and like, what do you think about this and that? And so John and Axel, we worked together in the early days at Spotify Berlin. 
And we knew we were very complimentary. We had complimentary skills and it was like an old marriage. So we knew we can, we can, we can trust each other like blindly. We know how we take. So, so we really compliment each other with guys being more like analytical and ha- having like a more structured approach, like being experts in international expansion and go to market and me bringing the sales, business, marketing and people's angle into and I guess also networking to female founders so it just happens naturally we decided to join forces because it's just much more fun you can Mm -hmm. do better due diligence and yeah and why specifically consumer tech creators and future of work why would you decided to focus on that yeah so this is where we have the biggest expertise in I mean Mm -hmm. we helped to build well a big consumer app and uh, we know how creative industries work and future of work, I mean, that's that's everything, right? It's like the culture and it's how we collaborate. And It's interesting that you mentioned that because it seems like a lot of angels these days are coming from companies like Spotify, Revolut, N26. And I was wondering, why do founders look for such angels that have those backgrounds in tech companies? Like, because they are literally pitching to those angels. What are they looking for? Yeah, I think like now being a founder, so I have a bit of a different perspective on that. But I think you, you, so first of all, it's not bad to have cool brands with its brand name on your cap table. If you have angel investors from these top companies, from these brands, it's, it's much better than having someone who works for a no-name company. I mean, they, so in those operators, like former operators, they help to build this unicorn. So they, if, especially if they were like early core team, they, they were almost like as an extension of the founding team. So they, they really made it happen. They, they know how to go from zero to 100 or like from, I don't know, five to 100. <laughs> and also they, uh, they have great network to, to amazing people you could have access to if you need advisors or employees as a founder. And if they are experienced angel investors, they have access to VCs and mm-hmm. other angels. So this is kind of uh, the perfect match. So you're not looking for just, it's not about the ticket size. It's really about getting the right person who can be an advisor, mentor, connector. Yeah, smart money. Smart yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. And then like also that. you need to, you want to tap into the certain industry expertise Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you are building a company in Web3, you would love to have angels with crypto background and experience or VC, like focused on that. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And speaking of that, on top of having your own podcast, being an angel investor, you're also co-founder and chief commercial officer at Beyond a Community Tech Startup that allows community builders to understand, automate and tokenize their communities. You just started it this year, I think February 2021. What inspired you? I mean, this is something similar to what you did, but then it's focused on Web3, so it's a little bit different tech we're speaking about. And why you thought this is the right timing to do this on top of the other things you are already busy with. So I actually left Spotify last year and I was exploring what my next gig could be. So, well, that's when I started the podcast. So that was a passion project because when I started to angel invest, I could not find a podcast for female business angels. So I started it with Tina and uh, yeah, I started Spotty Angels as well, like to join forces. It's much more fun to do it together. And then, so I've already met my co-founders and uh, I really like them. And Beyond same, co-founders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I've, already, I've already met them. 
And I was I was exploring, I was thinking what to do next, if I should go, if I should become a VC, if I should raise my own fund, if I should become a founder. And after being a mentor and advisor to several startups for almost three years, I felt like I was scratching the surface a bit here and there and helping. And people would always clap you on the back like, this was amazing. Thanks for making this intro. Thanks for giving this input. Like, okay, yeah, but I think I'm ready for the next tunnel, like professional Mm. tunnel. I would love to focus like primary on one thing. And I want to be challenged, you know, by my co-founders and uh, the whole situation and the project. I don't want to be like the Mrs. Perfect all the time. So it has to be, I'm ready for the new ride. And it was really difficult to find something I would be really excited about after Spotify also after stay there for more than a decade. And uh, so Web3 explosion happened last fall, more or less. And I went to the Web Summit conference and I realized I was at the wrong conference. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Because everyone else would uh, go to Solana Break, to LizCon, to East Lisbon, which happened like a couple of weeks before or after. And then I, luckily, I went to the right dinner parties. And <laughs> so I, wrong conference, but, but right, right dinner, dinner parties. parties, right network. And I was like, whoa, well, I, I, I mean, I, I already had some cryptocurrencies, so I had some bitcoins and ETH, and I bought Solana pretty early. But that was it. And uh, with, you know, Facebook being renamed to Meta, which was like a big announcement in the Web Summit, and everyone working in crypto, like at this dinner table. I told myself, okay, I, I, this is like, this is really the next big thing. And this is super exciting, especially given this like utility and social aspect of NFTs. I have to get into that. So I started to educate myself hardcore on the topic and met my co-founders again, <laughs> like talk to them again. And at the beginning of this year, we decided to join forces. Nice. Yeah. So what is beyond? Can you, and can you tell me why also especially like communities need something like Web3. Yeah, so be with Beyond is a Web3 no-code control room for community builders. Mm-hmm. So we give them insights into their communities and allow them to create token-gated experiences for their community members, NFT or token holders, without having to write code. So community managers are non-technical people. And what they do best is to run their communities. And we want to give them the power of blockchain and Web3 and um, allow them to understand what's going on in their communities and automate it and orchestrate it in the best possible way. Sounds exciting. And as a marketeer, sales professional, what inspires you in Web3? Why do you think this is especially interesting for people with this background? So I think Web3, it's, I mean, it's the next iteration of the internet, right? So it's the internet where we can all participate and trans and blockchain. So I think it's, it's interesting for everyone. And uh, with Beyond, we are defining the community tech category. And I think community is not just something that could be interesting for people with marketing and sales background. I think it's at core of every successful Web3 project. And in general, I think community led is becoming the must-have for mm-hmm. many, many companies. So I think with community, it interlaces not just with sales and marketing, it interlaces with product, with customer service, with content creation, with the future of work, with DAOs. 
Yeah, I, I really like the quote by um, Alexis Sohanian, who is the co-founder of Reddit and who runs a VC firm 776. He said that almost half of all Fortune 500 companies will have a chief community officer in the near future. So community is becoming such a crucial part to run any business that it will have to be in the C-suite like represented. This is a, like this is a juicy takeaway from this episode. So that's why we need a sort of a structure and tools to build functional communities, I would assume. That's why Web3 is like and beyond is coming into place. Absolutely. So communities, I mean, it's it's like its own department, right? Mm. And so it's nothing new. So we had it in Web2 World at Spotify, for example. We scaled customer service. So we had uh, users complaining that, for example, their premium account was not working properly. So what uh, we did was to create a community of other users who were helping each other to fix these problems because you could never, never, ever hire enough customer service representatives to attend everyone. So we had super users, power users who were helping others to solve the problem and it really worked. So that was the first community which our customer service and social media department set together. Then uh, Duolingo, they outsource like translations and content creation to the communities. Look at Patagonia, I mean, you're a marketing professional. So Patagonia's community is saving the planet. Literally, you have uh, Peloton. So they have the community where people exchange playlists for workout, like recommendations. It's a crucial part of, of the business, of, of the marketing strategy. GitHub is a community business. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, it's a department for itself. It's, for itself. But then if yeah. they're all existent in the web too, and they're functioning, why would we want to see this evolve in the web three? Why yeah. don't we keep it at the current level it is since yeah, so it's if, functional? So if you think about all these examples from the like web two world I've um, given, how can you reward your community members? So at Spotify, we would send them a premium account or you can send them a t-shirt or like swag or invite them to like a nice party maybe, but that's it, right? So you, you can introduce like a point system, which Reddit, for example, did in the early days. But it's very difficult to, uh, first of all, identify who are the key, who are the key influencers or like evangelists or contributors for in your community. Who is it? So first of all, insights, and then uh, engage and reward them properly. So if they are contributing to your community, they should, in the Web3 world, they could get tokens, right? With Web3, you can do it in in very easy way with tokenization. And to do that, like the first step is also to understand your community. So, and I think this is absolutely fascinating because how do the communities come to happen in first place it's not because people go there because they know they would receive you know a t-shirt or a token it starts from the intrinsic motivation so they really like your product or service or they like the idea of the community or like the purpose this absolutely makes sense and i think that if we have tools that are more easy to use and easily to track those super users and those community members and their contributions that makes total sense this is great. I mean, I love the topic, so I'll be following the progress. I know there's lots of things coming. So we will, you know, keep our eyes and ears open for that. Katja, I mean, you are doing so many things. What else is ahead of you? What are other dreams you're chasing? Because 
I'm sure this is not it. I'm sure there's other big dreams that you have on your radar. Yeah, so beyond will be really big. This is the main focus. <laughs> I truly believe so. It's we what we're building is absolutely relevant for all community-led businesses, and community-led is becoming more and more important. So this is my primary focus for sure. I'm still doing my female business angels podcast together with Tina until the end of this year, and we're enjoying it a lot. Then I have a couple of personal projects going on, like moving to Lisbon, for example, at the beginning of the next year, which is a lot of admin and organization and logistics. I uh, Once I'm there, I would really like to step up my surfing game, finally. So I'm joining surfing. You should join me <laughs> when you're when you're like good. Then I'm when joining, and then you you teach me. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I'm, I'm not I, I'm not really good at it, but I think you have to just dip yourself into the water. Just go there and try and do it again and again and again. And if you're enjoying it, if you like it, it's you have to practice. Just let the wave take you. Exactly, and your learnings. Uh, maybe not. You have to control that. You, <laughs> you need some basics, but uh, I think you also learn a lot like for business and many philosophical things. There are many interesting analogies, like, you know, wait for the perfect wave. When the wave is there, like, don't get too excited, but ride the wave and, uh, you know, see where like more experienced surfers are. What are they doing? I think I'm really surprised there are no, you know, like business retreats with surfing <laughs> because I think you learn much more than going to a yoga class. I can see an article or a blog post from you about surfing and making the right Business decisions. decisions and web free. <laughs> yes, that's coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can I be co-author now? <laughs> Since I pitched the idea. Let's do. Let's do. Yeah. So those are, I think those are the projects for now. And yeah, my daughter. So my first startup is uh, she's turning six and she's coming to school. So this. So is, she'll uh, be attending school in Portugal then. Yeah, I think so. Yes. An exciting international yeah. family. I actually wanted to ask if your dad is happy and proud that you went to Spotify. Yeah, he told me later, so they were not really excited. They wanted me to go back to Coca-Cola and hear my music and, you know, ask for employment. But years later, my dad, who is a very rational person, he's an engineer, so he analyzes everything. He's not like driven by emotions or like spontaneous decisions. He bought a car because it had Spotify embedded in it, like <laughs> Volvo, I think. So he said, look, I bought a new car because it has a Spotify player. I was like, that could not have been the main reason. <laughs> but apparently it was. <laughs> like, okay. So yeah, but when I left Spotify, they obviously did not approve. Again, but, but Again. they trust you this time. I'm sure they're like, I don't she's... know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> she's up for something. And Katya, do you have a woman in mind that you would like to give a spotlight today as a woman author of achievement? Yeah, I, I mean, I really admire what you are doing with the podcast. I think it's a great platform. Thank you. And that's to... the first time I, I, someone mentions my name. <laughs> oh, really? No. no, 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 on the podcast. No, but yeah. uh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's great for you. And it also, like, you know, brings everyone together. Maybe you have to make a next step and uh, create a community out of it. And we can talk. It can be. A Web3 community at some point, <laughs> but you could start in Web2. I'm like, happy to. Um, You're a very good salesperson. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's also, so running a podcast, I also know that guests are asking me for interest to other guests. So it, this many-to-many communication would be good. And I think in general, I'm lucky to be surrounded, uh, especially like in the last couple of years by 
amazing women. And I think there is this sisterhood collective that is forming around entrepreneurship, investing, podcasting. We went together to the Female Founders Conference. So I really admire Lisa and Nina, what they are doing. I, I really think highly of Tina, who is my podcast partner. She's absolutely kick-ass. She's been named Investor of the Year. There is Julia Duz, who is also an angel investor and HR professional based here in Berlin. She's great. Uh, Georgie Smallwood with like the work she's doing. My venture partner, Amber Atherton, uh, she built a company with Y Combinator, sold it to Discord, and she's now head of strategic communities at Discord. So met her live last week. This is many women York. getting spotlight. Woo! Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> quite a few. And I think this is the, the exciting part of it is not that it's just one, like, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, <laughs> that's it. I think it's good and you know them and that we support each other. That's the most important. Thank you, Katja, for bringing all those names, for being on my podcast, for sharing your story and sharing your wild ride at Spotify and the wild ride we just ahead of you with Beyond and moving to Lisbon. Looking forward to those photos of you surfing and doing like some kind of like triple or double jump. Well, that's going to take time, step uh, by step. <laughs> step by step, but it's, you know, never dream um, too small, always big dreams only. So thank you for coming and... Wishing you a wonderful day. Thanks, Basivam. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.